Hello, my name is Ben Buddy Slack, and I'm the founder of the Swan Song Project. The Swan Song Project is a charity that helps people facing into their lives to write and record their own original songs. I've been doing a series of interviews with songwriters where I've been asking them a little bit about one of their songs, uh, how they wrote that, um, for a songwriting tip that might be useful to new songwriters, and also for a song that's uh, meaningful to them in some way relating to bereavement. This episode features Rick Neal, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, today I'm here with Rick Neal. Thanks for joining us, Rick. Uh, it's my absolute pleasure. Nice to see you. Yeah, likewise. Um, yeah, I believe we crossed paths years ago. I think I think we crossed paths at a festival at, uh, on Chapel FM stage one time. That's where I think the, it is. There's every chance. I, I yeah. know you from somewhere, uh, yeah. and it's, it, <laughs> ma it makes sense for it to be a musical uh, a musical thing. Yeah, I think I think something like that anyway. But yeah, thanks for uh, for coming on the on the show. So uh, anyone seen this before will know we do them in three sections. So first uh, we're gonna have one of Rick's songs, and then we're gonna have a chat about how he wrote that. Section two, Rick's gonna share with us a songwriting tip that might be useful for new songwriters. And then section three, we're gonna talk about a song that's meaningful to Rick in some way relating to bereavement. So uh, I'll ask him to introduce introduce your choice of song, and then um, I'll edit it into this video. <laughs> okay. Well, this is a song. <laughs> Uh, that I recorded in my dining room a couple of days ago when I managed to keep the kids in the garden for a brief time. Uh, and it's called Difficult Day. And it is a single that is, uh, depending on when this, this video comes out, uh, is out on May the 22nd. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm really pleased with the song. Then go 
what it's gonna be. So lift the covers and drop your feet on the floor. No time for sleeping in. Put your shoes back. But you've still got to play. It's gonna be a difficult day. So let's get up and get on with this difficult day. So that was Difficult Day by Rick Neal. So what can you tell us about writing that one, Rick? So you wrote it just a few days ago. Uh, no, I didn't write it a few days ago. I recorded that little video a few days ago. The song itself was percolating for quite a while. Um, I had a realisation that loads of my songs happen over a period of time. So like, uh, you know, something will happen and then in verse two, this will happen. And then in the middle eight, it will turn out, you know, she was a ghost all along, <laughs> maybe not that, but you know what I mean? Like there were a yeah. lot of events in my songs and I was really interested about writing about a singular moment. The whole thing take place in that one, uh, in that one moment. And so I started kind of hunting around for moments that would be interesting. And I played around with a few things. I briefly flirted with the idea of, you know, when you are, uh, either on a train or you're on a platform and the train has arrived and there's that bit when the little button is about to light up and it doesn't, you know, you're kind of waiting. <laughs> and I thought panic. that would be, a, yeah, that kind of thought. <laughs> and I was really interested about that and I had this idea of writing this incredibly complicated piece of music from lots of different people's points of view at the point at which they were waiting for that light to cling on. Some that were desperate to get home, some that were leaving their partner for good, like, you know, all these different stories. And I was like, that, that's fine, but that's like, that's an opera. That's not, <laughs> that is not a three and a half minutes buff song. You know, it's a lot going on there. So then I, the other idea I had that I was really interested by, and I'm sure you've had this as well, uh, Ben, as I'm sure your listeners have, that moment when you wake up and uh, you sort of aren't fully aware of the day. So sometimes back in my misspent youth, I might have woken up and gone, there's that moment before you realize, I, I don't know where I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas now it's like that kind of thing where you wake up and you go, oh, it's today, isn't it? That moment of realization. And that today, it could be anything from like a dentist appointment, you know, a yeah. tough day at work, just something incredibly serious and, and sad, which is what this song kind of morphed into. Um, and so I was really interested about setting it in that moment. And the whole thing happened before the character has kind of gone, right, come on, get up. Uh, so yeah, that was the kind of initial idea. And then the other thing that fed into the song was, I'm a big fan of Ron Sexsmith, songwriter Ron Sexsmith, who is a brilliant Canadian singer-songwriter. Like he's one of those people that songwriters love but no one else has heard of kind of thing. But he's got a song called Gold in Them Hills, which is a gorgeous song. 
And his voice has got like no hope in it. It's, uh, when I say a hopeless voice, he sings beautifully, but it's just <laughs> one of those voices without hope. And this song is so hopeful. It's about this day's gonna be brilliant. Uh, and I love the juxtaposition of that. I was really excited about that. And so I thought, ah, well, that's interesting. So I wonder if, because my voice is quite hopeful, like annoyingly so, if I'm brutally honest. Like, I, wish, I wish my voice sounded as broken as I often feel. <laughs> um, so I was really interested about the idea of flipping that and going, I wonder if I could take the hope that is just inherent in my, you know, in everything about me and, and make a song that is incredibly sad. Uh, and see how those two things kind of see what drama that that kind of rubs up. Oh, so yeah, so interesting way of going about it. Yeah, I was um, so there's just two things that came to mind when we were talking there to two different sections, I guess. But the, yeah, that's interesting. The I mean, I remember hearing there's a Tom Waits quote that I always love of uh, I like beautiful melodies telling me terrible things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I guess the yeah the 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 sound of the voice and the message it's conveying is just an interesting way of thinking about it um yeah and i guess do you feel do you, like, do you ever think about that in, in other songs do you feel kind of like like you have a certain style of voice and it restricts your way of singing because you, you, you know you're quite a varied songwriter right? you write lots of different styles and yeah i mean uh thank you and uh, <laughs> uh yes it does i think i'm very aware of it as a performer and i think that you are you and that is both advantageous and not that advantageous. I am confident. I'm a confident human being. Uh, and uh, that is a difficult thing to play uh, live because immediately I, I, you know, I always know I've kind of got the audience against me from the first bar. And I, and I find that quite interesting. Like, I think that's kind of fun, you know. So you find ways around it and you have to be kind of self-depreciating and all that kind of stuff. And you have to find, and it, there's a lot of jokes to be, to be had in that. It's, you know, it's funny. And, and, and so I think the older I've got as a performer, the more comfortable I've got of going, oh, this is who I am. and This is kind of how we're all just going to deal with it. So I don't think of it as a restriction any more than, um, than anything else, any more than like dating, you know. Like, I think this is, yeah, I don't know that I date anymore. I'm very happy in that, I should add. Uh, but like, you know, I look like this, this is who I am. There's no point really trying to change that to try and, you know, to try and win someone over, you know, because this is just it, buy in or, or don't buy in. And you just get more, com uh, I guess, comfortable with that. And then you start looking at the extremities of the kind of circle in which you, you naturally are. Something I'm struggling, I'm, I'm uh, struggling with, I'm not struggling with, I'm quite enjoying dealing with it is that I, um, because most of the performance stuff I do that is my own songs is just me and a piano on purpose. Like, I love that. I love the fact that I can go anywhere and do anything and read the room and all that kind of stuff. Um, part of that kind of sort of piano man thing is the jokes. Like, it's the funny stuff in between, in between the songs. And so something I've started to notice is that, like, in between the songs, it's like funny, 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 funny. And then during the songs, incredibly bleak and miserable. <laughs> then, in, then another song, like funny, 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 really bleak. So I'm trying to find ways of flipping that on its head and do some more serious stuff in between the songs and do some funnier stuff within the songs um, without doing comedy songs because I can't, I can't bear them. Uh, so, um, uh, so, uh, so yeah, but it's one of those things where I guess that problem leads to having to deal with it in an academic and creative way. And that's kind of, that's my thing. That's the worst wild songs. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, yeah. 
Um, the other thing that I was going to talk about, because I've had a similar, you're talking about the trying to write the song about a very specific moment. Um, yeah. It's another thing I've been very inspired of, even just in the last week or so. There's one of these I did with Nicholas Rafferty, and yeah. he chose, have you heard of Bonnie Prince Billy? Yes. Um, yeah, he chose one of his songs for the third section. Um, what's it called? Agnes Queen of Sorrow. I can't claim to know that song. Oh, I hadn't heard it before. It's just, it's just stunning. It's just like a beautiful little conversation. And then since then, I just feel like that's the kind of song I want to write. Again, I feel similar to you that I used to write a lot of narrative songs of, yeah. you know, kind of long things happening. And then just, there's a real kind of beauty to that if you can just really hone in on the specifics of one moment and, uh, yeah. and, and I think, write about it. And I've, I've worked a bit in, in musical theatre and uh, something that I dislike about musical theatre is, and not all musical theatre by any means, but sometimes, is if you imagine there's like a scale of emotions with like absolute joy at one end and absolute staggering misery and sorrow at the other. Uh, I tend to think that often musical theatre deals with these areas of the scale mm. and doesn't really deal with like this bit here of like not quite being able to find a parking space or <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or like catching yeah, a pocket yeah. on a door handle when you're walking through, you know? <laughs> and, and there's something that I love about about that that little moment um and that is those moments isn't it it's those it's it, it's something that happens in a moment it's not epic it's not winning a war or you know or losing a loved one it's just a thing that happened and uh this sounds incredibly um highfalutin tootin but i guess the job of a songwriter if not a wider artist is really to just kind of be an archaeologist for your own experience isn't it and kind of go this is a thing i went through i will now songify it that is not a word, but I use it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. And then, then also those things are the, the things that are often the most... There's a Leonard Cohen quote I heard one time as well. Someone was talking about the amazing specificity in some of his songs. And his, what was, his response was like, um, your, most, your most specific answer... What's it? Yeah, I think your most specific answer will often be your most universal one. Yeah. The thing what's the most specific will often be the thing which most people um, respond to rather than trying to write a a um, one-size-fits-all approach kind of lowest sure, yeah. denominator. So. That's it. You go broader, you go deep. That's the, you know, they're, yeah. the, they're, the, they're the options, I suppose. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, thanks for that, Rick. Uh, so let's, move, let's move into section two, shall we? So this is where I ask, uh, ask my guests for a songwriting tip. It might be useful for newer aspiring songwriters. So uh, what would your tip for us be, Rick? Well, I, um, I, I sort of thought a lyric one would be a good one to go with because there's no point getting into like bark corrals at this point because uh, neither of us have got time. <laughs> uh, but the one that I think is the biggie that changed everything for me, it's kind of twofold. One of them is um, about planning your objectives. Okay. Planning your objectives. A thing I used to do when I was a younger songwriter is uh, and you'll have to just go with this metaphor. Um, if every song was like a blank sheet of paper, my job was to put as many ticks on it as I possibly could. You know, like clever key change, interesting chord, my voice sounds good in that bit, you know, oh, there's, a, there's a funny line, you know, and just ram this page full of ticks. Um, but then I started getting commissioned to do stuff. Um, and what I noticed was that the work I was doing when I was getting commissioned was not only better work, but also I enjoyed it loads more. And the reason I realized is because I wasn't worrying about the ticks. I was worrying about the boxes and the skill is to go this. I want to write a song that does this, 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 this. And then after that, the ticks aren't so hard. Yeah. Cause you're not just going, it needs to have all of these things, you're trying to prove everything in one song. Um, so being a little bit more targeted 
in what it was I was trying to write. It sounds oddly uncreative, but it made a massive difference to me. And when I've done projects that are wider, that are all about broadly the same thing, got to be really careful not to tread on your own toes. I, re- mm. I made a record that came out, not last year, year before, called Lullabies for Parents. Uh, I am a parent. I've got two kids. I've got a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And um, uh, I realized there weren't any songs about parenting that weren't awful. <laughs> uh, I mean, there may be the odd exception, but certainly there weren't any that made me uh, feel... There weren't any that made me feel not alone in parenting, you know? Uh, and there are, there's so many in every, like in relationships, like you can't move to them, you know? But in parenting, I was sort of fascinated by how few there were. So I was really interested in the idea of writing, like, you know, not by no means a how-to guide. <laughs> Believe me, it is not that. But it's just some things where it's like, right, am I doing this right? What is happening? Why do I feel this way, you know? Uh, and so because I was writing about a quite small experience at the time, I had to write those boxes of what I was going to achieve just to be able to delineate between the different songs and go, right, well, that one is going to do those things. Mm. That one is going to do those things. And again, I think that's quite a sort of theatrical way of approaching it in terms of, well, this scene just has to get me from there to there. So how practically, if I end up over there, am I going to end up over there? It's those kind of things that I think have fed into that experience. So for me, the idea of, a, of, of going, this is a song that is going to do X, Y, or Z. If you don't do that, what I tend to find is, if you don't just write the greatest song of all time, <laughs> then you've kind of failed. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> if you haven't got, it's very difficult to make a piece of art and then sit back and go, yeah, yeah, I did it. I nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas if you've got some actual restrictions, it speeds it up and it allows you to, to make a judgment as to the quality of the work more effectively. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's really good advice. Um, yeah, yeah, with um, some of the questions that I often ask people in Swan Songs when we start them is I say, um, if you imagine when the song's finished, who would you imagine listening to it and what would you like them to get from it? And yeah. That's often one of our starting points of, yeah, who's, who's the target audience? What do you want them to get out of it? And then again, it feels a bit a bit more like, yeah, you, you've been specific on that and you can assess it against it at the end of like, does it achieve this? Does sure. it get that message across? Yeah. So yeah, I think it's really, I, good, um, really good advice. I think instinctively, there is a thing in all humans, in all non-musicians, civilians as I call them, right? <laughs> there is a thing of, uh, of going, oh, well, music's just magic. And if you just open your heart, <laughs> you know, then it appears fully formed. Like you come downstairs like it's Christmas morning, it's, it's under a tree, like a completed <laughs> song, you know? Um, but actually so much of it is administration. Like so much of it is academic. So much of it is going right. Well that, you know, like I've been fortunate to have a few moments where it goes right. Oh, that's definitely that. And you have that amazing spark. But once you've had that spark, the rest of it is work. You've got to make the second verse rhyme. What's the middle section going to do? You know, it's, you know, so, uh, so I think that's one of those things. I think that's just one of those things that's been put together in like film and media. You know, they do another montage, don't they? Of someone writing a song and it's always terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff, Rick. Good stuff. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting. Um, let's move into section three, shall we? Sure. Um, yeah, so this is where I ask my guests to choose a song that's meaningful to them in some way relating to bereavement. Um, so what song have you chosen for us, Rick? I've chosen Everybody's, Everybody's Talking by, uh, by Harry Nilsson. It's a lovely song. 
It is, it's a beautiful song. Um, so people watching this at home can, uh, I'll put the link in the description. So if you're watching this video, you want to pause this and go listen to the song. If you're not familiar with it, you can do that. Come back yeah. and we're going to have a little, little chat about it. So uh, what made you choose that song, Rick? Uh, well, I, um, my best friend, Lee, who was my best friend when I was growing up, my best friend since I was five, he was the best man at my wedding, um, passed away at Christmas. Um, he had a brain tumour for a year. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, he died uh, on Christmas Day, in fact. Um, and, um, and since then, uh, one of the ways I have been dealing with that, I was going to say dealt, but it's not a past tense thing, past tense thing by any means. Uh, but um, one of the ways I uh, have been dealing with that is by running. I run quite a lot. And uh, when I first started running, I had this kind of fairly random song list on Spotify, just to kind of like, oh, I'll just put any, you know, any, any old thing on. Uh, and this song came on and I uh, kind of stopped and, and kind of broke down a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Um, and then when Lee's brother, who was organizing the funeral, asked me what music um, he should play, because me and Lee's friendship was very much... Uh, based and defined by by music um that was the one i picked for kind of leaving the service um and i picked it because it was just very much his essence um and the idea of him going somewhere better uh is kind of baked in to the song it's so positive uh yeah it feels uh it's one of those songs that I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know how hard it was to write, but it sounds effortless. There's no guile in it. There's no cunning. You know, there's no, ah, I see what you did. You know, it just feels like an absolute slice of a character. Uh, and it was very much Lee's character. So that song will forever be, uh, be mixed in. Me and Lee were huge Beach Boys fans. That was our thing. We even went to Beach Boys conventions. I know, right? There's Beach Boys conventions. <laughs> Uh, and so I really nearly picked a Beach Boys song for it, but it kind of didn't quite feel right. There's something about the, the, all the harmonies that are in those Beach Boys songs that make it sound like a group of people, because it is a group of people. But the idea of this song being, um, being Lee going off on his own, I kind of thought was quite beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's very beautiful, I reckon. Yeah, I'm very sorry to hear about your, uh, your recent loss. And, uh, Thanks. Yeah, I hope you're... Uh, you're managing as best you can with it. Running is a great, uh, a great grief. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kind of yeah, and and you know I've got a bit more time at the moment, so uh, <laughs> so I'm running pretty hard every morning, and it is it is it's a it's the best part of the day. I get up at half six and I go and run. I'm doing eight k every day at the moment, apart from apart from one. Uh, my wife is a uh, is a dancer, and she is doing an hour of yoga every morning whilst I'm running. And we were kind of joking the other day. We were in the physical shape of our lives, and no one, no one can see us. <laughs> we can't go out, you know. <laughs> Getting lean in quarantine. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you heard uh, Iggy Pop's version of Everybody's Target? I have. Yes, I would say quite different. <laughs> it is quite different, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I made sure I put the right one on the Spotify playlist for the funeral. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, his voice gives a different vibe. <laughs> it does a bit, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, yeah, well, thanks a lot for joining me, Rick. I really appreciate it. And you say the um, the single's coming out in a few weeks? Uh, the single is out on May the 22nd, which is like, as we speak now, that's this Friday. Um, oh, cool. And it's out to stream. So it's out on uh, Spotify and Apple and Amazon. And you can get it on Bandcamp uh, as well. And I think what I might do, 
this is a bit of an exclusive. No. Uh, um, <laughs> the audio from the clip that you just played, uh, I might put as a little kind of free giveaway if people buy it on, on, on Bandcamp so they get a piano version because the actual recorded version uh, is very much kind of in the style of that sort of Chet Baker sings type thing. I've got a, a wonderful uh-huh. bass player called Sa- uh, Sam Jackson and a brilliant uh, drummer called James Law uh, playing on there. We did it all live, like, you know, like the olden days. Yeah, brilliant. Great stuff. Is this an exclusive for the song, or has the song been played out already? I gigged it a little bit. I kind of tend to gig everything that I write before I record it, just to make sure I know where the kind of hills and the valleys are, I guess. But um, mm. but no, it's not. A, I wouldn't say it's a full exclusive. We can pretend <laughs> half, it is. If half exclusive. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah great stuff so, and i'll tag your uh, pages and stuff in the description here so people can go and follow you um and yeah get the single on friday when it comes out uh thanks a lot for your time rick really appreciate it and my absolute pleasure yeah thank you and uh, thanks everyone for tuning in i'll be back with another episode soon <laughs>